When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Five Spot. I'm your host, Donovan McNabb. Joined with Armando Segura. A lot of great things happened over the weekend. But more importantly, we had a Monday night game where I think a lot of us who watched the game are still having a lot of questions. What's going on in New York? Uh, we had reports that, you know, that uh, Aaron Rodgers is taking three-step drops. Uh, we also had reports that we probably already knew that the Jets defense is pretty good. Um but the thing that we're still trying to figure out is what's going on with this offense. Is it Nathaniel Ackett? Is it Zach Wilson? Or is it just their inability to score the, the football? I, I look at it in the sense of, of an exciting game I was prepared for because I thought just kind of watching over the last couple of weeks, I thought Zach Wilson was starting to come into his own a little bit. His fourth quarter performances in the last couple of games have elevated him where the worries from everyone in New York started to rest easy and people took deep breaths and thought that this was on the right path. Well, last night just went south. So, Armando, when you took a look at this game, was it kind of questionable in your eyes afterwards or did you see anything positive? Because I don't think anybody else did. Yeah, I, you know, I did see something positive, Donovan. I saw something positive around 11.30 when the game was over. <laughs> that could be done with it. Uh, that was very positive for me. Uh, man, look, I I'm not going to go to Zach Wilson because that's the low-hanging fruit, right? It's, it's right. easy to, to rip on the bad quarterback, and he is. He's he's not good. Right. Um, but he's he deserves better than that terrible, awful, uh, you know, offensive line that just doesn't doesn't seem to have it together. He's makeshift. They're they're switching on the fly. Um, like this last week, they were experimenting with with the center position. They got down to the inside the ten yard line near the end of the game, and I said to myself, they're not going to score. They're not gonna <laughs> score. The game was over. Right. I'm thinking, something will happen that they won't score, and sure enough, Zach Wilson delivers a ball right into the shot. Um, uh, I think Uzmanzada, CJ Uzmanzada, man, look, and then this, the idea that Aaron Rodgers would come back from an Achilles injury uh, months after having the injury and fix that somehow, I don't think he even came there somehow because th that offensive line that gave up eight sacks yesterday, they wouldn't get that 39-year-old guy killed. True, true. 
and and let me add to that. Um, let's give a little bit of love to your your favorite coach, Brandon Staley, uh, of I guess having his team prepare to win this game. Special teams points. I thought Austin Eckler. I think people need to start paying a little bit more attention about Austin Eckler and, and the things that he's able to do in this offense. Um, obviously, the running back situation with uh, paying these running backs and rewarding them for the things that they've been able to do with these football clubs. Uh, to me, I think you really have to highlight his ability and what it does to this offense. We know about the injury, obviously, with with their quarterback and Justin Herbert and his finger. Uh, but give credit again to the defense of the New York Jets of applying pressure, closing up the pocket, and forcing them to get the ball out quickly. But, but again, when you look at the positive of one team, meaning the defense of the Jets, to the negative of the team of being the offense, you look at San Diego has struggled. Well, not San Diego, Los Angeles, excuse me. Uh, the Chargers have struggled on defense, and Brandon Staley being a defensive-minded guy, yesterday they looked like a Super Bowl contending defense against the New York Jets. Joey Bosa showed up, and he's starting to uh, – he is – you know, starting to to climb, he is stock up, arrow right. up. Uh, they had eight sacks. Of course, you know they had the three little pigs and the three stooges up front for the Jets. So uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but they did have eight sacks. Um, I don't know. That Jets defense is good. It's yes. very good. They're very- wasting. You know how people say, "Oh." This team or that team is wasting the quarterback. Well, the Jets are wasting that defense. That is a playoff defense. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, so Justin Herbert, who clearly is not the same guy since he had the big injury. Every time I see him with that that injury, it's like... (laughs) And the tape looked like it's about that thick all around. It's it's about this big, like <laughs> what? <laughs> and the fact that they still have him under center is amazing to me. Like he's taking snaps under center. It's like he's got this giant white glob growing out of his hand, and it looks like he's displaying his contempt for. The play call. So yeah. Uh but he's not the same. You look at their wide receivers, they got one. That's it. They got one. Garrett. Garrett Wilson is very good. Uh no, I'm talking I'm talking about the, the Chargers. But what but I I say Garrett Wilson because I believe he was the best receiver on the field yesterday. I like I like Allen. Don't get me wrong. I think Keenan Allen is is a great player. I think he's he's now starting to get to that point as a receiver, being in the slot. Your your age, your speed, you know, starts to kind of creep in where it affects you a little bit. He's so effective in the slot, but then with Mike Williams out, um, they have another receiver that's out. Uh, they're they're rotating. I think Palmer Palmer is is kind of in and out, and so they're young on the outside. Uh, but also, that's why I brought up Austin Eckler. That's exactly why I brought up Austin Eckler and when he plays, what he does for this offense. Right. 
look, bottom line is I think last night what we saw was um three hours. Come again? Two, it was two it was two teams that were not even really at the middle of the pack in our eyes that were that were trying to find a way to turn their season around. Yeah, and against each other, by the way. And yeah. it's like it's like two rabbits fighting. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, it like when, yeah. Well, let's 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 take that and let's let's kind of trampoline into teams that have been playing well. The NFL right now is exciting, and it, the weight is being carried by a lot of these upper echelons of teams. Let's go. Let give me your top five picks as far as the top teams are concerned. In the NFL, that's combining the AFC and NFC. Combine them to give me your top five. Now we're talking because now we've got real teams to talk about. <laughs> and I, so I'm gonna go off, off, uh, and not. I'm sorry. Don't try to set it up. Let's go. Let's hear it. Okay, the Ravens. I, I, I love me them Ravens. I, yeah. I just look. I watched them dismantle. Um, who was it? The Seahawks. The Seahawks. Yeah. And that was two weeks after they dismantled Detroit. They beat those two uh, NFC division leaders by a right. price of 79 to 6. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson, it was such a blowout that he didn't play 12 minutes of the 15 minutes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and they still scored a touchdown on Seattle. With, with Huntley, you know, driving them down. And so I just see that as a complete team. They got young players. They got this swag from these old uh, chip-on-my-shoulder type veterans like Kyle Van Noy that they added, um, Clowney. Uh, right. You know, they got these guys that that may haven't won a championship and are a little pissed off that they haven't won a championship. Van Noy has won a championship. But you my point is I like that team's chemistry. They got a great coach. He doesn't steal signs. I I, I love that. I'll <laughs> say it. Uh, I, I, I like what Lamar is starting to do in that new offense. And look, I get it. They're not head and shoulders above everyone else, but right. they are like we talked before, arrow up. They are climbing, getting better, and that's my favorite team right now. So my my favorite team, I'll, I'll get into it obviously with uh, our top five, and we'll, we'll go with our other five, but let's, let's start with our top team. The top team right now, I would have to say, is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I say the Philadelphia Eagles not because I'm being biased or anything, but what I've seen thus far. Now, I still have questions about their offense. Because they're they're somewhat balanced, but they're not effective as they were early on running the football. And a lot of that is because you're not running the football enough. Uh, last game they ran the ball 22 times against the Cowboys and threw the ball, I believe, 32 times, somewhere in that aspect. Uh, now Jalen Jalen Hurts has been efficient uh, before the Jets game and even after the Jets game. Uh, AJ Brown has been one of the best, if not the best, receiver right now in the NFL with Tariq Hill. 
Devontae Smith, I think, is getting overlooked. Um, and he is a quality and elite number two receiver that has elevated his game. Dallas Guider and his injury is going to hurt them, I believe, because he controls the middle of the football field. But defensively, I have so many questions of what just transpired over the last two weeks. The middle of the football field has been a problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys took advantage of it. Uh, the Washington Commanders took advantage of it. Teams have been effective versus this defense. But I think it's correctable mistakes, uh, but I'm expecting something different going forward from the defensive coordinator. They have a bye week. But I think offensively, this team has shown that they can compete with anybody. And so I have them number one on my list uh, with AFC, NFC, of the, the comparison between the two. Because offensively, just like what you talked about with Baltimore, I think Jalen Hurts presents that as well by the ability to throw from the pocket and then also having to use his legs. And he's been doing it all year. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you the reason I didn't pick them number one, because obviously they're, they're an outstanding team is I'm a little worried about Hertz's, the, uh, I guess durability. Yes. Really. Right. Uh, it, it concerns me a little bit. Um, he got a little, not a little, you know, defensive about it recently. That's fine. But that tells me that it's a it, it's a nuisance. And so if he's dealing with that nuisance uh, and it pops up every once in a while, that that bothers me a little bit. Of course, the team that I picked, my top team, their quarterback on Mars, Jackson, has a history of durability problems the last two years. So what the hell do I know? Uh, but, but he's fine now. And that's right. the difference for me between... One uh, A and one B, as far as that's concerned. Um, let me let me give you a, a couple more teams that I really am very uh, bullish on right now. Right, uh, the Bengals. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. I, I love that they they basically mopped the floor with the Buffalo Bills the other day, and at the end of the game, the sideline reporter asked Joe Burrow, "What's the difference between you now?" And earlier in the season, when you guys were losing games and you were playing well, and he said, I can run. Huh? It's as simple as that. I can yeah. run. He can escape the pocket. He can get out. And, of course, he he's making plays. Um, Jamar Chase hurt his back a little bit, and he's going to be a little bit sore this week. He's telling people. People, he doesn't know if he's going to play. Trust me, he's going to play uh, so th there's that. I like them. The Chiefs worry me. Yeah, Chiefs still there. You know they're still question. Yeah, right. I don't like their 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 offense very much right now. Um, you know, great defense, championship, right. but I'm not digging their offense too much right now. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you with the, the Bengals. I have the Bengals just because of the way they started. I have them probably at number four, uh, you know, with the, the Eagles being one. My number five team, would, actually, I would have the Bengals number five. My number four team would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think, are under the radar where they're continuous to climbing, even though that division is not strong, but Let's not overlook the Houston Texans or the way C.J. Stroud has been playing. Uh, but I have 
the Jacksonville Jaguars is number four. My number three team, you know, will be the Kansas City Chiefs. And I say the Kansas City Chiefs because you still have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You still have Andy Reid as the head coach. And the way this defense has been playing has been more shocking because, remember, their defense was, was sort of their weak link. Their special teams was good under Dave Toe. Their offense was solid. Their defense was the one in the secondary where you started to, well, I don't know if they play against some of the upper echelons of teams. Well, we've seen what their defense is, what they did to the to the Miami Dolphins, which that's another topic we'll talk about a little later. Um, their front front line, their front four, front five has been applying pressure to opposing quarterbacks. So it's been impressive. I just have questions about their pat the passing game on the offensive end. You know, we talk about them missing the receiver, but I think Rice is starting to emerge. Um, obviously, Travis Kelsey is still there. But I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a shift in their approach, and they'll start to run the football with Pacheco a little bit uh, on the offensive end. But my number two team is the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm so glad that you talked about that because the questions were all about, is this offense best suited for Lamar Jackson? The offensive coordinator coming over from the Georgia Bulldogs, so from that collegiate level mentality, will it translate to the NFL? Obviously, Odell Beckham being hurt. Uh, Zay Flowers been only pretty much the only healthy receiver that's been there. But now Andrews is coming back. Bateman's back. Uh, their running back situation was one that was in question as well. 200 yards rushing against Seattle. So I just think the two top teams, the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles, to me, are starting to separate themselves a little bit. But those other other two, three teams that I mentioned are still in that pack. I love that you brought up the Jacksonville Jaguars because, and you said that they're under the radar. Their next game out, they're going to play the San Francisco 49ers in Jacksonville. Uh, if they hand the, the uh, 49ers their fourth consecutive loss coming off of a, a, of a trade right. for Chase Young, uh, that's going to be very interesting. And they won't be under the radar at that point. They're going to be all over the radar. Like, look at us. <laughs> look at us. Because we just beat the 49ers. And, and here we come. And I love that team. And yeah, so you mentioned the Dolphins. Womp, 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 womp. Well, it, it's, it's funny because now we're going to the teams that have really fallen off. And so... I would put I wouldn't put Miami as one of the teams that have fallen off. I put them at the bottom if we're going top four, top five, and I would put them there with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Miami Dolphins, and the Buffalo Bills. The ones ahead of them that's shocking to me are the San Francisco 49ers you mentioned because of what we all expected from them, and everybody being, including myself, on the Brock Purdy train. Uh, in that aspect of things. Um, and so I, I look at it in the sense of for the San Francisco 49ers, they to me, and the Buffalo Bills, they're to me, I'm still trying to figure out why. Like offensively for San Francisco, you expect a little bit more. Now, is it Debo Samuels that being out that they're struggling so much? Or is it more Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan? When I look at the Buffalo Bills, I know what's wrong with them. They don't have a running back, which they brought Leonard Fortnette in, and I'm sure he'll be active this game. 
but they don't run the football unless it's their Superman quarterback, Josh Allen's running the football. They're not getting the ball to Gabe Davis or they're not giving it to Stephon Diggs enough. Um, and they have a solid tight end there that he's shown out. He could be one of the premier young talents in the game. Uh, so I look at the two being the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills of my two disappointments so far in the NFL. Yeah, I appreciate your explanation of the Bills because I look at that team as the biggest, right now, for me, the biggest disappointment in the NFL. And the reason for that is right now, if the season ended today, which I know it does not, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. They just right. They don't, right. they're not, they're the ninth seed and you only get, I think, eight. They eight. get in or seven. So I don't know. Uh, they're not in, is my point. And you look at them and it's like this inconsistency on offense. They come out like world beaters against the Bengals the other day. And I'm thinking, whoa, they figured it out. And then they don't do anything for the next six possessions. And now they're down, you know, 18 points. Well, that's a problem. And it's gotten to the point where yesterday they get back to Buffalo and the reporters are asking Sean McDermott, the head coach, if he intends to replace offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. And the answer was no. And then the next question is, well, have you considered replacing offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey? And the answer was still no. And I'm thinking, no, you can't do it now. But, bro, if this continues to go throughout the season, you're going to be considering it at the end of the season because this is not acceptable. You have arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. He is elite. Why aren't you playing like it? They're out of rhythm. They're out of sorts. They don't have an identity. Their identity is, hey, Josh, save us. And that doesn't work for me, and obviously it doesn't work for them. Well, let me let me add a little nugget to that. Um, now, we can always always go to uh, offensive coordinators and coaches, but the players got to play. Josh Allen is not reading the defense. He's just not. He's missing open receivers. That interception he threw on the sideline in cover two, Stephon Diggs was sitting at eight yards wide open. He completely looked past him and went, tried to throw a whole shot to the receiver, which ended up being picked. Uh, a couple of mistakes that he's made, he's looking for the the downfield explosive play and not taking what the defense is giving him. He has to be able to work the intermediate and short and quick game to create that opportunity for the deeper pass. We all know about Josh Allen's arm and how strong his, his uh, arm talent is and where he can put the ball and in different situations versus different routes. But teams know that. So they're trying to force him to just check the ball down, keep the things in front of him. But as you've seen the game go on, you start to see Cook catch a lot of balls as check downs underneath. You start to see their tight end starting to get more balls in the intermediate passing game. That's when they started to drive. They started to drive. But as soon as he started holding the ball a little bit too much and trying to use his legs, that's when it worked in the, in the favor of the defense. So for Josh Allen, that is the thing that's been going on, not just this year so far. It's been going on over the last couple of years, but he's gotten away with it with his ability to get outside the pocket, create that big play, 
or get outside the pocket and still keep the scramble drilled alive to hit a pass for 15 to 25 yards to keep the chains moving. Well, let me ask you this, and I and that was a wonderful explanation. So let me ask this. I assume that someone on that coaching staff has figured out what you figured out. And if they had someone with gravitas, with like, you know, with with a reputation and someone that Josh Allen, whatever that guy says I'm going to do, puts his arm around Josh Allen and goes, Josh, look, this game, we're going to come out and go up tempo and you're going to check it down and you're going to find the eight yards here and the seven yards there and the eight yards over there and you're going to force the defense to come up and then we'll go, you know, to your big splash play. They don't have that guy to have that conversation. And that goes back to Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Well, it does. And Ken Ken has played a couple years in the NFL. So his experience of understanding that, because he did have the strongest of arms when he played at University of Miami and when he played in the NFL. Uh, But the thing that's made him into the position that he is is the fact that he's he's learned under Dable. He understands the offense that, that was created at that particular point. And I'm sure he's probably told Josh, hey, what are you missing here? Who's open? We got to get him the football. We don't have the time to, to sit back and, and try to hold the ball for four or five seconds. That's not going to work in this offense. And I'm sure he's told him that. And But Josh gets into the game, and a lot of us as athletes feel like we can make every play possible. So we have a tendency of holding the ball a little longer than we're, we're supposed to. So I think these are conversations that he's had. Because if you even go back to the Giants game when Tyrod Taylor started, they were actually not in that game. They weren't playing very well. And then he made two great plays outside the pocket, which turned things around and put the pressure back on on the Giants at that time. So I just think he has to get back methodically, moving the football by throwing the ball to the check down of the intermediate passing game, and then look for the big explosive plays. Who's your Who's your um, next biggest disappointment or your biggest disappointment so far? You know, I, I talked about the San Francisco 49ers, and they have everything on, on their defense. Um, my my disappointment right now, just over the last couple of weeks, is Brock Purdy. It's Brock Purdy, you know, because everyone was. I mean, he became one of those ones where everyone was basically wanted to create a movie about Brock Purdy. Uh, it was it, oh my god, he's Mister Relevant. He's starting. They traded off the top five, top eight pick from Trey uh, Trey Lance, and it's his his job, and he's the leader, and the team is following behind him. All that conversation has died down over the last four weeks. It has. And he's an efficient quarterback. He's a quarterback that's everything's based off timing. If it's three-step drop, one, two, read, boom, ball's gone. Five-step drop. He's going through his read, one, no, two, boom, ball's gone to three. He's now having to scramble outside a lot more the pocket. Now, don't get me wrong. He's athletic enough where he's able to do that. I've seen him in high school. But in this offense, that's not what Kyle wants. Remember, going back to even when Kyle was in Washington with me, that's what it was about. Then he gets RG3. RG3, it was about timing. He tried to change that offense after RG3 won rookie of the year. 
try to change up. Well, Kirk Cousins is our guy. Kurt had a lot of in-season success, not playoff, in-season. Goes to Cleveland, didn't have success on the Johnny Menzel. Comes to Atlanta, had a struggle early on with Matt Ryan. Then Matt Ryan had success where he was an MVP candidate because it was inside the pocket. Get it to Julio Jones quick, you know, all of his weapons. That's what this offense is about, and it just hasn't been that way in the last four weeks. Are we talking, Remember you talked about wasting away talent? That defense that they have, now don't get me wrong, Bosa, Nick Bosa has not been playing well. He has not been playing well. And they, and they you know, traded for one of the Philadelphia Eagles tackles. You got Fred Warner in the middle, which I think is a bona fide beast in the NFL. And then you trade for Chase Young. Does that sound kind of weird to you that you trade for Chase Young when you traded? I think they get uh, they got the guy out of Dallas, the defensive end, who went to Denver and and kind of flamed up. So now you got three defensive ends who do pretty much the same thing, and they haven't had success with two of them yet. Yeah, uh, I think Randy Gregory is the guy you were talking about. Yeah, Randy Gregory, right? Uh, Chase Young is there now. Sorry, Randy. I was playing university. Yeah, yeah. We love you, Randy, but Chase Young. <laughs> and so, uh, look, I I get it. You know, I was expect I was right there with you. I was expecting Brocktober, and it turned into not Rocktober. It turned into at the end of that month, it was like And so I get that. Uh, I just see that they have so much talent. If they come to Florida and lose to the Jaguars, it'll be their fourth consecutive loss. And people will die. Oh, 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 oh. And, and, and I guarantee you, somebody will say, hey, send Arnold. And then it'll it'll start to be kind of convoluted. And I don't understand. They should be really, really good. And I think they still will be. But, yeah, uh, Brocktober kind of fizzled out. I Totally. And so uh, let, let's take this sob story as we just hit that segment of all disappointing team. And and let's, let's talk about uh, comments that were made uh, continuously uh, in college with Caleb Williams, who's possibly the number one, maybe number two pick of the draft. Um, after a tough game, watch well, it say after a tough couple weeks of his defense, awful defensive coordinator, awful, which was just fired. Uh, offensively continuously putting up over 35 points a game. It seems, uh, lost a big game to the Washington Huskies. Now I'm a big fan of both quarterbacks. I think both quarterbacks are future top 15, top 20 picks uh, going up into the upcoming draft in 2024 draft. Um, I look at it in a sense where Caleb Williams has separated himself as one of the best, if not the best quarterback in college. Well, he suffered a loss, and after the game, everyone was talking about him coming up into the stands and being consoled by his mom and his family, where he shed tears, uh, his mom covered his face, uh, and people have made comments. To me personally, um, we want we want our players to be vulnerable. We want our players to be up front. We want our players to show emotion. When they do show emotion, now they become targets for everyone to now start throwing darts at them because they are 
emotional, as they may call them, super sensitive. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought that was something he probably could have done after the game uh, outside the locker room or maybe in the car, but he did. He did it after the game in the stands. I didn't have a problem with it. People were talking about it should hurt his draft status, which it should not hurt his draft status because on the field, he's a bona fide, one of the best players in college football. And also, he's a leader. Uh, he prepares well. And he's out there playing from the pocket and outside the pocket, which he's a premier talent. So in your eyes, I know where you're going to go with it, but I think they need to hear. Um, what, where do you see this going for Caleb Williams? Yeah, so I know that there are some people out there, the nerd faction of the population, that is going, oh, he's a football player. He's, she, 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 he shouldn't be crying. Meanwhile, I'll slap you and you'll be crying like right there in front of your keyboard. Uh, anyway, the point being, the, the people that are saying, I heard somebody go, oh, he went to his mommy. Yeah, boy. Uh, anyway, here's the thing. The folks that make these determinations, they will, app, and I'm talking about personnel departments, they will absolutely look at that moment. But I can also tell you they will look at that moment and look at the 40 moments where he is like running out of the pocket and running in the wrong way and doing that. And the ball is like super accurate down the 40 yards down the field. Right. And he's 28 touchdown passes without really trying and only three interceptions. And they'll go, those moments are more important to me than a moment of emotion because look, People are people. They have emotion. Um, I, look, George Washington wept, okay, in, when he gave up his commission. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was a moody dude. He wept openly at times. Alexander the Great cried when he had no more worlds to conquer. I read the Bible. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Okay, and so... Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you. And so, what is this, like, God can't cry? They can't be, you know, human? I, I don't buy that. I, I, I just, you know, it just bothers me. It's, a, it's amazing to me how everyone wants to create a storyline uh, with comedy when it deals with someone and their emotions. And, and the funny thing is, is to me as football players, yes, we are emotional and we should be. I mean, we win games, we lose games. When we lose games, we get upset. Yeah, we get upset. Some guys sit there in locker room. Some guys may, may cry, shed a tear or two. Uh, you know, you go home, no one knows what you're doing behind closed doors, which no one needs to know uh, if they're crying or whatever. And, and you go through so many of these phases and they can talk about some of their top quarterbacks. When you look at the draft, some of these guys who don't get drafted in those early picks get upset and who's the first person that consoles them? Their mom. Uh, uh, so, you know, if it's their mom or dad or, you know, if they're shedding a tear or whatever it may be, you know, that's just emotion. We're human beings. And I think that's the way that people need to understand is that, yes, we put pads on, we put helmets on, we bang up, you know, each other, you know, we're tackling, we're getting sacked, we're getting sacks, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, when we take those pads off, we're human. And and we're, we're just like everyone else. Uh, we like to have fun. We work out. We go eat, we spend time with family because we all know that 
at the end of the day, who do you trust? You trust your family more than anybody else. So blood is thicker than water. And so I, I just think for these comments that have been made, they're, they're, they're kind of almost to the point where it's like you're like teenagers just just chirping to try to find a storyline to be the funny guy in the room. And, and not only that, it, the same people that are criticizing him for showing emotion are the same people that if he didn't show emotion and was very stoic would say, well, he doesn't care about what's going on. Right. He just suffered this very uh, uh, tough loss and he just was very stoic about it and he has no emotion and a leader has to be at times emotional and, and show he's invested. He showed he's invested. It right. meant something to him that his team lost and and now they're ripping the dude for it. He wasn't crying on the field. He right. wasn't crying on the sideline. The game was over. Right. Over. And he was with his family. That's it. Why not? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. It people would never understand until they're in that same situation. And it's funny the comments that have been made are pretty much people who Never been in that situation. But let's go to another situation I think is something that, that uh, has been close to me um, because I have two daughters. Uh, there were comments that were made about the WNBA champions being the, the Las Vegas Aces uh, and their coach, Becky Hammond, of uh, them winning a championship and saying that uh, a high school basketball team uh, would beat this WNBA championship. Why are we always trying to bring down teams that have been able to accomplish the dream, able to accomplish a goal together uh, and enjoy their moment. I, this is the something that, that really bothers me a lot of times when I hear people make comments, oh, well, if you would have played this team or, well, if you know, this person was there, well, you know what, they weren't. And so this is a team in the league in the WNBA that has continued to try to make a mark for themselves to allow – opportunities for young ladies to continue to their dream of playing professionally. Uh, and it's, they've done a great job where the WNBA has, has helped in so many ways. They're getting more and more sponsors. Uh, these girls that we watch all through college become All-American, become Player of the Year. Uh, girls that we want to see them play on a professional level instead of going overseas where we really don't get a chance to watch them. They're here playing in the States, uh, and it's exciting. Asia Wilson and her, her basketball team over with that's ran by Mark Davis, uh, who's the Las Vegas Raiders uh, owner. Yes, his dad, Al Davis, is a Syracuse alum. So uh, I like to always bring them up and their family and what they've done for the university. But more importantly, let's not tear down these young ladies uh, of saying, well, if they would have played this team or whatever. Yeah, okay, if they play some young kids out of high school that are, Six nine, six seven, seven foot, six five, super athletic. That that's that's not a comparable thing to even bring to this particular situation. So let's let's glorify these young young ladies uh, and the goals that they were able to accomplish of winning this championship, back to back championships. That is, uh, and the things that they've been able to do. Because I have a daughter who plays basketball, and if she dreams of, of playing in the WNBA. Let that dream continue to be settled where she has that opportunity. And if she wins a championship, it doesn't matter who she didn't play against. 
is if they won in the team that they played against, which was also a very good team in the New York Liberty, um, and the things that they've been able to do. But I'm excited for the for the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, congratulations to them and, and their coach, Becky Hammett, of winning the championship. Well-deserved. So this is a true story, right? So once upon a time, I was very young and uh, slightly less unathletic than I am now. And I decided for one of my stories, I was going to go. There was a, a, a college in South Florida, uh, Barry University, that had this this uh, young woman who was like lighting up scoreboards all over the place. So I decided I'm going to go down there and play her one on one and, you know, just and then write about it. I also boxed a woman uh, one time like this champion woman boxer. Uh which would have been a different story because I would have killed her. But <laughs> but the basketball gal, she was good. She was freaking good. And she could get around me anytime she wanted. She she could, you know, obviously, you know, here I am back in my 30s. She's 20. And she's like, stop, stop, stop. Of course, at 220 pounds, I said, okay, fine. I'm just going to back her down. And then shoot a a one inch layup every single time, but then she figured it out and started like packing my you know swatting my stuff. Um, I have respect for women's sports, right? Uh, I I'm gonna be totally transparent. I don't watch women's sports, but then I'm working I, on I'm working on that with you. Well, but I don't watch men's sports either outside of football. Because I just don't have time and I've kind of lost interest. In, I mean, every once in a while, I'll watch some track. And and then the women's are just as exciting to me as the men. My point is, they, I, I let them live. They let me live. Let's all live together, right? right? Exactly. And that's, that's what it's all about. I think we have to give these women an opportunity to enjoy the moment as well. Let's not find a way to tear them down by by making comments that are irrational, uh, that should not even be mentioned. And so I look at it in the sense of uh, those that made the comments, come on, let's let's pull back. Uh, let's take a deep breath and, and let's, let's sit back and just kind of glorify them and congratulate them on being able to uh, achieve that common goal. Because it's something in which all of us have some type of goal that we're trying to achieve. And the worst thing you want is people on the outside chirping, saying that you can't or you 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 basically are not good enough, and then when you do accomplish that goal, try to tell you that you should never have done it and you're not worthy of it. So uh, I think that's where we need to focus in at this particular point. Any last words, Armando? Um, NFL. <laughs> well, with that said, <laughs> we're going to get Armando to watch the WNBA when it comes back. College college basketball starting up. Women's basketball starting up this week. So make sure you tune in. I'm going to get Armando watching a little bit of women's college basketball. So join us in again here at Defy Spot.